Welcome to the podcast, Life to the Fool, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. Where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello, ladies. Well, this week is Thanksgiving week. After this podcast, I'm going to have to start getting into it myself and preparing uh, for our great Thanksgiving again this year. I must tell you um, about a documentary we watched last night. On Sunday nights, we like to do something special each Sunday night. We have been going through uh, what is called Biblical Citizenship. It's an eight-week course that you can get hold of through Patriot Academy. And I really would encourage you uh, to go through this course if you haven't already done it. We were all so blessed. It was just so amazing. And every single week um, was a new uh, a new DVD for eight weeks. And um, we learned so much about our constitution and the way um, our founding fathers set up this country, which is being lost today. And I think everyone needs to know uh, these truths. So you can do it in your family, uh, or you can do it in a group at church, whatever you would like. But what we did, because we were a church group, really, but we have it here in our home and we could put it on the big screen downstairs where we have our church fellowship. Uh, and after the DVD, we would then have a trivia or a quiz because there are questions uh, already written out for every each week of the course. And uh, so we would do the questions. We would have two sides and the competition was pretty fierce to see who would win and we would learn so much as we tried to answer all the questions and see who could win. That was really fun. But I'd love to encourage you about that. And last night uh, we watched Police State. That is the new documentary put out by Dinesh D'Souza and every one of his movies documentary movies are very, very professionally done and very enlightening. I wonder if you've seen any of them before. Um, I'll just mention some of them uh, so that you can get hold of them. You can go to Amazon and get the DVDs or you can download them. Uh, But we have watched all these at different times throughout the years as they come to the theatres. there was Obama's American, Obama's America, that was in 2016, Trump Card, The Big Lie, Death of a Nation, Hillary's America, and America, Imagine the World Without Her, and then this latest one, Police State, and uh, they are all worth watching It was amazing to watch even on this um, documentary and also movie. It it was very, um, you don't get bored. We watched about three different occasions of people who have been um, 
you know, just the FBI have just come and raided their homes and kidnapped them and taken them off. Um, even as I, uh, we shared, remember we shared the testimony a few weeks ago um, about Bethany Vaughan sharing about her husband. This family just live a few miles from us and they were also raided by the FBI and um, for there was nothing. He had been at an abortion clinic, um, but not trying to stop people going in or anything. But they came and raided his home. And now uh, he is waiting the final outcome of his court case and could uh, receive 11 years in prison. And this is happening all over. And so... It's very enlightening. So I encourage you to um, check that out. We need to be um, keep up with what is happening in our nation, don't we? Well, ladies, today I want to share with you, my subject is our hearts and our homes, because they do go together. And uh, so we're going to look at a few scriptures. I'd like to take you first to Second Chronicles chapter 29. And this is the chapter where Hezekiah uh, began to rule and reign in Judah. Now, Hezekiah didn't have, well, maybe he did because of his mother, but his father was a very wicked king, King Ahaz. But then it says in verse 2, And Hezekiah did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father had done. Oh, wait on. Before that, in verse 1, it says, and his mother's name was Abiah, the daughter of Zechariah. It's interesting when the Bible talks about each of the kings of Israel and also of Judah, because after the reign of Solomon, I know you'll be aware that the whole kingdom was divided. After Solomon, his son Rehoboam became king. But it didn't last very long because he didn't take the advice of uh, the elders of Israel. Instead, he took the advice of the young men who were around him. And because of that, the ten tribes, they fled from Rehoboam and they became the northern kingdom of Israel. Rehoboam was only left with Judah and Benjamin and, and some of the Levites. And they were known as the kingdom of Judah. And uh, now we are in the kingdom of Judah. Hezekiah is one of the Judean kings. Now, every king that the Bible writes about it then will say, and his mother's name was so-and-so. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Or he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. And it reveals that the mothers had a great influence on their son because it's immediately after the mention of the mother that it says whether they are a good king or whether they were a bad king. Now, Hezekiah 
He was one who clung to the Lord and did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. And now it's in his very first year of his reign. Right at the start, he, he starts off well. So in verse 3, here uh, Hezekiah in the first year of his reign, in the first month, he didn't wait around, he got stuck in immediately. In the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. Now, because his father, Ahaz, was a wicked king, he had shut up the, the doors of the temple, the house of the Lord. And uh, so praise God, here comes a young king and he's opening the doors of the temple again. Now, as we look into the scriptures today, we're going to be likening these scriptures to us personally, to uh, our homes, because each one of our homes if we're seeking to put the Lord first, I know that each one of you, you want to make your home a house of the Lord. Isn't that true? We all want our homes to be a home of the Lord. God wants our homes to be his homes. And he also wants our personal bodies to be his homes, because we go over to the New Testament and we see that God um, now calls our bodies his temple. Back in the Old Testament, they first had the tabernacle. And then when David began to reign, he had such a longing to build a temple for the Lord, not something that was just you know, not very permanent. He wanted to build a glorious temple for the Lord. But God said to David, no, you're not going to do it, David. You've been a man of war. You've shed much blood. Your son Solomon is the one who will build the temple. And But now we go to the New Testament and uh, let's read. We can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, it's interesting. Keep this in mind. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 talks about us being the temple of the Lord. And 2 Corinthians chapter 6 also talks about us being in the temple of the Lord. So if you want to remember scriptures about this subject, you can remember 1 Corinthians 6 and 2 Corinthians 6. That makes it easy, doesn't it? In 1 Corinthians, it says, Chapter 6, 19, verse 20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are brought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now we go to 2 Corinthians now, 2 Corinthians 6, verses 14 to 18. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That means in marriage or in business 
or in any relationship where you're going to be yoked together. Dear ladies, I remember being brought up on that scripture. It was continually preached from the pulpit. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And the message would come forth. Don't marry an unbeliever. Look for a Christian man to marry. Now, that's very good advice. But it's rather sad, isn't it? That in this society in which we are living, even in the church realm that we are living, I think that we have to look for more than just marrying a believer. Because today there can be many young men and here we're thinking about our daughters now, there are many young men in the church who are believers. They believe that Jesus died and was buried and rose again, and they believe he is the Son of God, and they have most probably received Christ into their lives. And yes, they are born again, and they love God. They actually haven't got a biblical worldview because we can be born again in our hearts and our minds are still thinking like the world because we have been programmed with humanism and progressivism and all the isms and everything that is being uh, just put out there in our current um, education system and in the media and everywhere, even in the church. And, and so I, I just bring that in here as I read that scripture. We have to encourage our daughters and daughters, if you are listening, you are looking for more than someone who just believes in God. Look for a man who has a biblical worldview. That means that he completely trusts the Bible as the word of God. And he is searching to know what God says on every subject for his life. And he's standing on that. That's a man that you have to look for. <clears throat> for that one podcast, uh, I shared... Uh, characteristics and attributes that I believe young daughters need to look for as they're looking for the man of their dreams, which every young girl is looking for. Since then, I have developed that more. And uh, if you are interested, you can email me, nancy at aboverubies.org, and I will send you that. I think I have about 21 points to look for. Wow, that's quite a lot, isn't it? But anyway, it just gives you something to really look for uh, so that you can be blessed in finding a man of God. Anyway, let's carry on here. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what agreement hath Christ with Belial? Or what part or sharing in common hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. Did you get that? Here it is again. 
It was spoken in 1 Corinthians 6, now 2 Corinthians 6. You are the temple of the living God. Now back in Jerusalem, there was a temple. It was a glorious temple. It was overlaid with gold. It just shone with gold, with pure gold. And it housed the Shekinah glory of God in the Holy of Holies. But that temple's not there anymore. It was just brought to rubble. But you see, they don't need a temple now. Because now, since Jesus died, and that veil between the holy place and the holy of holies was torn apart from top to bottom. And now it was no longer hidden. We can go into the holy of holies. And we can fellowship with God 24-7. We are such a blessed people. But more than that, God is now saying that you, me, we are the temples of the living God. Now that word temple there in the Greek is not the word that's used for the temple. It's the word that is used for the holy of holies. The place where God dwelt. Back then, the place where only the high priest could go in and he only once a year carrying the blood. But now, we're the temple. It's really, it's hard for our minds to get around it. But this is the truth. Dear precious ladies, mothers, wives, daughters listening, each one of us are a temple housing the presence of God. Because he has come to dwell in us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He now dwells in us by his spirit. And this body is just a temple that houses the presence of God. What a glorious, glorious truth. And so we are now the houses of the Lord. And our homes, we want to make houses of the Lord. So let's keep looking at this passage here, shall we? <clears throat> yes, so in the very first, uh, first year and the first month, Hezekiah opened. He opened the doors to the house of the Lord and repaired them. Lovely ladies, are the doors of our Homes open to the Lord? Is every room in your home open to the presence of the Lord? Your kitchen, I guess that's where everything happens mainly in the home. Well, it's where everything should be happening. It's the hub of the home. It's where we prepare our meals. It's where the family congregates and around the kitchen table, around the dining room table, 
around doing their projects, eating their meals. It's where we gather as family, in the kitchen, in the dining room, in the lounge, in this living area. Is it open to God, to his Holy Spirit? What about the doors of our bedroom? Is that open to the Lord, open to his holiness? What about the bedrooms of our children? Are they open to the moving of the Spirit of God? Do you know what's going on in the bedrooms of your children? What about your teenagers? Dear precious mother, God has given you the job to watch over your home, watch over your family, watch over the rooms of your home. You need to know what's going on in the bedrooms of your children, especially your teenagers. What do they have in their rooms? What do they have under the bed? What do they have in their drawers? What are they listening and seeing on their iPhones? Are you truly a watchdog? Yes, that responsibility is ours. Don't let any of the rooms, don't let one room in your home be closed off to the Spirit of God. Make sure every room in your home is open, open to the Spirit of God. Our own temple, not only physically, but emotionally and, and uh, spiritually in every way. Let's open the gates of our souls and our minds and every part of our beings to the Lord. Because we're his temple. He wants to fill his temple with his Holy Spirit. Therefore, we cannot close off anything. Are there any areas that you're closing off from the, that probing of the Spirit of the Lord? No, don't stay closed off. Open your heart to him. Sometimes that's not easy. You've got to deal with things. Yes, you have to let God work in your heart. But let's be open. That's the very beginning. Nothing can happen until our hearts and minds are open to him. And so we keep reading on here. Okay. Now, verse 5. And Hezekiah said to them, this is the Levites, Hear me, ye Levites, sanctify now yourselves, that's set apart yourselves and sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers. Okay, so first of all, you start with yourself. You start with me. Yes, first of all, we sanctify. That means to make holy. The word is Kadesh, to make holy. And the word holy means to set apart from the common. Yeah, not the normal, just the normal common thing. No, to be sanctified, to be holy, is to be set apart from the common. I remember reading one commentary 
and this uh, man brought out that the one of the meanings of holiness is uncommonness. You are not just, you know, staying in the common. No, uh, you're set apart unto God, unto his kingdom, which is a royal kingdom. You're set apart even unto royalty. And so we first set apart ourselves and then we begin to sanctify and set apart our homes for God. Amen? Yes. <clears throat> and have, wait on, and, okay, in doing this, you have to carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place. So that was the first job he gave the Levites. Sanctify yourselves first, Levites. Levites, You can't go in and sanctify the temple till you're sanctified yourself. And so we, as we seek to make our homes holy temples for the Lord, we've got to be sanctified ourselves. We can't make holy homes for God in this world, which is his plan for us. Yes, mothers. God wants you, one of your biggest tasks is making your home a holy place for God in this world. A place where God can dwell in your home. So first of all, we sanctify ourselves. And he said, then I want you to go and carry out all the filthiness out of the holy place. For our fathers have trespassed and done that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord our God and have forsaken him and have turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord and turned their backs. <clears throat> and so at this time when Hezekiah came to power to reign, the people had turned their backs on the temple. They turned their backs on the habitation of the Lord, the place where God dwelt in the Holy of Holies. And they turned their backs. Now, okay, we are the temple of the Lord. We're making our homes temples of the Lord, holy places for the Lord. But we also have... Uh, not physical temples today, but we have places uh, also where we worship, which are houses of the Lord. Sometimes they are homes. We meet in a home fellowship. Other times they're in a church building or someone is renting anything, a building, any kind of building where the saints can meet. Now, these places are also houses of the Lord where he wants to meet with his people and we come to meet with him and the people of the Lord, we must never turn our backs on this habitation of the Lord. Well, you've been hearing me talk about that, haven't you? I just did 10 podcasts about uh, the assembling of God's people together. And I wanted to go on more, but I thought maybe you had had enough. I hope you got the message because even in 10 podcasts, I did not give you all of the scriptures of God's heart that he has for the assembling of his people and them coming together 
as the habitation of the Lord. Let's never ever turn our backs on the assembling of his people. But it also gets right back to our homes because we're going to read on and see what happened in uh, the temple and how these things should also be happening in our homes. Because what happened in the house of the Lord, in the tabernacle, then the temple, was a type of what he wants to have happen in our homes. So it goes on to say, And they have shut up the doors of the porch and put out the lamps and have not burned incense, nor offered burnt offerings in the holy place unto the God of Israel. Because they'd shut up the doors, all these things that God had mandated to be happening every day in the temple were not happening. They'd put out the lamps. And do you remember that when God first told them uh, about the lamps and when they dedicated the tabernacle and they lit the lamps for the very first time and then God said that the lamp was to burn always. It was never, ever to go out from that time. But here we're reading, it's already gone out. The lamps had been put out. Now, what were the lamps? The lamp is talking here about the golden lampstand that God first talked about and uh, they put in the tabernacle. Back in the tabernacle, there was only one golden lampstand. It was made out of one piece of pure gold and uh, it had Seven branches, it was like a tree. Three branches, one side, three the other, and the one in the middle. And uh, they had to light this lampstand every morning and every evening. And they had to, before they lit it, they had to pour in fresh oil. Because if they didn't have oil for the lamps, there would be no light. So it was coming to God every morning, every evening, to be refilled with fresh oil. The Bible talks about David, who was anointed with fresh oil, not stale oil. Oh, goodness me. Have you smelt stale oil? Oh, it is horrible. And um, just on a little practical note, you must make sure when you buy oil that you purchase fresh oil. When you're buying olive oil, which is a very healthy and wonderful oil, but don't purchase it in a clear plastic container because if it is not in a tin, um, which keeps it dark, or a dark glass container, um, it's going to go rancid. And oil that is in just a normal bottle that you can see through is most probably rancid when you use it. And some are more rancid than others. Some you may not smell it. Some you really can. And uh, rancid oil is 
it's bad. You just never want to use that. And of course, I hope you don't use any of these other vegetable oils that they have there in the supermarket. They're all in their clear plastic bottles and, and all of them um, uh, are not good for you at all. Um, olive oil is a beautiful oil, of course, and um, but also it's not really the best oil to cook with. Wonderful to have on your salads because it's, it's um, you know, raw and fresh and wonderful, but it's best not to cook with it. The really only healthy oils to cook with are coconut oil or red palm oil or butter is good too, <clears throat> um, or the, the beef fat, which is pure, um, that is good. That is better than these other oils that go rancid and uh, go to trans fat. Anyway, just popping that in. And so they had to pour in oil, fresh oil, uh, every morning, every evening, and light the lamps. And there was absolutely no light in the holy place except the light of the golden lampstand. And it shone on the table of showbread. And on that table were 12 loaves of bread. They represented the 12 tribes of Israel, but they ultimately represented Christ, who is our bread, who is our sustenance. Now, in the tabernacle, there was one candlestick, there was one um, table of showbread. But now we're looking at Solomon's temple here, and it is plural. They had put out the lamps. Do you know how many they put out? Well, in Solomon's temple, there were actually 10 golden lampstands, and there were also 10 tables of showbread. That means there were 120, 120 loaves of bread on those tables. But sadly, they had put them out and uh, they had to be relit. And then it also says, nor have they offered burnt offerings. Um, oh, wait on. They haven't burned incense. Whew, there's another one. They haven't burned incense. Well, what's that talking about? Of course, that is talking about um, the golden altar of incense. <coughs> um, girls, are you noting that? <coughs> Sorry, I'll have to tell them to take that out. <coughs> I'll just have a little drink. <coughs> okay, so... Yes, it's talking about the golden altar of incense. Now, this piece of furniture, there were three pieces of furniture in the holy place. This third piece, it was right before the veil where you went into the Holy of Holies. So it was right just close to the presence of God. And because it was close to the presence of God... It represented the prayers of the saints, of our communing with God. And in the Old Testament, we read about how the altar of incense was the 
prayers of the saints. And then we go over to the New Testament. In fact, we go right to Revelation. Revelation chapter 5, verse 8, speaks of the incense. And here it says uh, that when John was looking in to the heavenly realm, he saw this, this altar of incense. Now, ladies, just get this. Are you just getting this for a minute? John saw this altar of incense. He didn't see it back in the tabernacle because there was no tabernacle. He didn't see it in the temple in Jerusalem because there was no temple in Jerusalem. He saw it in the heavenly realm because that altar of incense is there in the heavens and it is there now. In fact, the one that God told them how to make for the tabernacle was made in the pattern of the heavenly. This is not something that you just read about back in the Old Testament. It is now. It is reality now. <clears throat> and it says, talks about every one of them having, this was the four and twenty elders, they had harps and golden vials full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And over <clears throat> chapter 8, verse 3, it also talks about how um, the angel came and stood at the altar of incense, having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. <clears throat> and the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And over in chapter 9, verse 13 and he saw another time, and he saw the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar of incense, which is before the throne of God. <clears throat> so, ladies, what was happening here, they were no longer coming before the Lord every morning and every evening, to light the lamps, to be filled afresh with fresh oil, to come and pray and commune with God. And you see, the sad thing is that today, <clears throat> this is happening in many houses of the Lord. They are not operating the altar of incense, which is to come together as a family and pray. And they were commanded to do it every morning and every every evening. So, ladies, are we operating according to how God wants us to? Or are our lamps put out? Or the, the golden altar of incense? We're no longer burning incense. Now, I know <clears throat> that life is busy, and uh, often we just feel as though we can't even find time to do these things. But ladies, I believe that these are the most important things that we should make happen in our homes. 
in our home. I seek to make our time morning and evening where we come together as a family and whoever is in our home, that we make this our priority. doesn't matter what's happening. Everything else has to fit around it. If we don't get anything else done, we get this done because this is the first priority. But our time has gone. Dear Father, we thank you for your word. It's so precious. It's so revealing. And we pray, Lord God, that you will help us to be those who uh, get in sync with your word. Save us from letting the lamps burn out. Lord God, there are so many homes in this nation, Christian homes, where the lamps have been put out. Lord, there are so many homes where the altar of incense is forgotten. And Lord, you are waiting morning and evening for your people to come, to come and meet with you. Lord, in your word, you tell us you want to meet with us at these places. You want to meet with us. You want to hear our hearts. You want to hear our cries. You want to speak to our hearts. Lord God, help us to be committed, Lord, to your plan and to your mandate. We ask it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.